BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's happening, guys? Happy Friday, and thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome. I hope you're having a great week and that you're ready for today's great show, which includes some updates on John Jones, my rant about Max Holloway in your rear, and on an interesting call-out from Michael Chandler. That's all coming up later, but first, let's begin with the big news of the day. This just in from our good friend Errol Hawani. It's being reported that Masvidal Leon Edwards isn't going to happen. Now, by the time you guys hear this, by the time it takes me 45 minutes to get this out to you, this could be old news, but I'm getting this right here in the moment, which is saying that Masvidal is the one that pulled out. Undisclosed injury, fine. More importantly for me was the next line that said, and this was from Leon's people, that Leon is not expected to remain on the card. And I only tell you that that's a surprise because if he's not on the card, then what does he do? And we have seen historically, rarely, where a major fight like that gets interrupted by one opponent, but you keep the part that you already had. So in this case, you would keep Leon, find him a new opponent. So instantly your mind's going to Blahal Mohammed. Hazmet Chemaev, right? Instantly. You you guys were doing the same deduction I was, but it's being stated if this is accurate, that for now, Leon believes he's off the card completely. Now, historically, again, we have seen that, where the entire fight gets moved. But 100% of the time, it's those same two opponents, they just do it later. TJ Dillashaw, Corey Sandhagen, just to use a very recent example. If they both come off the card, that fight does happen. It just happens at a later date, which brings us to the final piece of this, which is, again, Team Leon saying we're going straight into a title shot. Now that Usman's available and I'm here, I did what I was asked to do. I'm going to reap the rewards. Winner by forfeit. I'm throwing those words in. Winner by forfeit is what it sounds like. I don't have a huge problem with that deduction. I don't think that's going to happen. I do not believe that that's going to happen. I do think that the Chemayevs of the world need to speak up right now. Blahal Mohammed, I can guarantee, I haven't even looked and I guarantee Blahal Mohammed's already stepped into that. Who else? Where are the rest of the guys? Where is the Wonder Boys? Where is the Gilbert Burns? Because they would do it. Wonder Boy and Gilbert Burns would do it. Gilbert Burns is looking to take somebody on every Saturday. He didn't care if it's grappling, MMA. He didn't care who it is. We haven't heard from them yet. And if you only have a couple of options, right? Option number one, pull both guys, do both guys again just at a later date. Mm, 
that's very likely. The piece that we're missing before we could come in and bet on that is what is the undisclosed injury? Whatever the undisclosed injury is, Leon knows it. Too small. I'll find out the injury within one minute on my on my text messages. So I just share that with you because Leon now knows that whatever it is, is going to keep Masvidal on the shelf for a while, long enough that you don't just rematch two, three months down the road, much like they did with Sandhagen and Dillashaw. Reasonable deduction by me. I'm making a lot of guesses right now, but that's a reasonable deduction. Moreover, is Leon staying on the card? If anybody had misfortune in this sport during COVID, it was Leon. Leon went 14 months without a paycheck. Leon went eight, nine, and 10 months without an interview. People were forgetting who he was. The only ones that showed any respect to Leon was the folks that do the rankings that kept him number three. Everybody else had forgotten about him. So I'm inserting stuff. I know Leon's had a couple of paydays since, right, between Mohammed and, and Diaz, but certainly he's going to want to go back to work. It sounds as though he doesn't. He's willing to wait longer, and he thinks he should be able to wait for Usman. Do you agree with them? Because if you don't, why not? What the hell has Leon done wrong? Who hasn't Leon fought? Who hasn't Leon agreed to fight? At some point, there's a, what else can Leon do? You're squeezing a rock here, guys. Leon's not wrong. A great opportunity, it would appear, is for the Chemayevs of the world to step up and to get in there. I don't know how interested Leon is in that, but we certainly can't call Leon scared to do that because Leon's already agreed to fight Chemayev and already signed and already prepared to fight Chemayev. It was Chemayev who pulled out. So now Leon, who you're saying hasn't done enough, he's won eight fights in a row. He hasn't lost in five years. He agreed to fight Chemayev and showed up on that day to fight him. Chemayev wasn't there. And he's agreeing to fight Masvidal, but Leon's saying, I'm not going to show up on that date. I'm going to look for another one, but that makes perfect sense because I'm free and he's free. Talk about Kamara Usman. I don't think that, I don't think Leon's done math wrong in any, anywhere here. I believe that his deductions and his algebra is spot on. And I believe he is character X. And I think that X equals Y, right? Are you guys following me here? Remember, you remember eighth grade? What's Chemayev going to do? How much attention can Chemayev get? What is the injury of Masvidal? that Leon, at a minimum, has heard a rumor, at a minimum, that he believes, which says George is going to be out for a little bit. I don't know. I don't know, guys. And I, I feel as though, because some of you aren't going to love this, right? I know Leon gets a lot of what they call the haters out there. I understand that. But if we are to be mature, people of our word, us as a community, did band together and say, if Leon gets past Masvidal, which DraftKings has him favored to do, but if he does, we all stay the hell out of his way and let him go have his fun for the championship. Leon did everything he could do. It appears that that match is not going to happen. I'd love to hear your guess. I'd love to hear your prediction. Because I have very limited information, but I have formed mine. Which is Leon makes a very fair point. Leon Edwards, referring to George Mosbrall, said, Honestly, I'm not surprised. I knew this fraud never wanted to fight me in the first place. Get him the hell out of the way. Let me go fight for my championship. End quote. And I was close enough on that. So what? What if Leon's right? 
If Leon's right, you're saying that George Masvidal is a chicken. You're saying George Masvidal is a coward. I will tell you, that just doesn't sound right to me. Does that sound right to you guys in your heart? Of anybody that you are going to call a coward or a chicken, can you say that about the BMF? I mean, in all fairness, right? Can you? No, they don't really go together. Let's say he is right. Good. Good. I've never agreed with that fight in the first place. You want the real truth? I, I don't know why George ever said he was going to fight Leon. I don't know why George is doing this whole, as long as it makes sense and I can get back into a championship fight. I don't think that George knows where in the hell he's at, which is on an island by himself. There are three athletes which in, within this sport. Period. They happen to be all be today, but there's been three athletes through the history of this sport that can do anything. Any match they do will move the needle. Any match they do will sell out any arena they fight in. Conor McGregor, George Masvidal, and Diaz. I'm coupling them together. Diaz, right? Why is George going and doing contenders fights? Why is George putting his name and his reputation as, why is he putting it on the line? He's not likely to beat those guys. First off, he's already experienced gold. He's still got it, the BMF title. He's fought for world championships multiple times. Whatever contenders fight he goes into, it's down. We know that about careers, right? We know that about everything in life. What goes up must come down. But why is he putting himself on the line when he could go do something else? I mean, a fighter is supposed to never wants to admit this, but in closed doors should always be trying to take the biggest paycheck against the easiest opponent. Masvidal never does that, and most guys can't get that deal. Most guys have no control over who they're going to fight. Most guys have absolutely no stardom unless it's a title match or a contendership. Masvidal's in a different category, and I don't know if he knows it. I like Masvidal's attitude. I like that he's willing to fight. There will be a day we're never going to get George Masvidal again. In all fairness, guys, that's going to be a sad day. This sport is more fun with George Masvidal in it. That's the truth. But the same goes for Diaz's, and the same goes for Conor McGregor. And none of them are legitimate title contenders. But they don't need to be. They have another deal. It's a good deal if you can get it. And only three guys in the history of time had ever been able to get it. But Masvidal's one of them. Why Masvidal and Nate Diaz aren't talking about part three is beyond me. Why Masvidal versus Nick Diaz in part one aren't at least talking about it is beyond me. Why Masvidal thought I'm going to go in there and fight Leon Edwards, who hasn't lost in nine fights, spanned over five and a half years, and is the clear number one contender for what? For what? And I never had to answer that when I was fighting. I'll give you the answer. I give a goddamn about any of it. I'm a competitor. I want to compete. I do not care what it means. I don't care what ranking. I don't care what the money is. I don't care the placement on the card. But I was different. I was unique. In all fairness, right? You never met anybody like me. You never even heard of anybody like me. Any weight class, any time. It's a cool thing to say, but there's better ways to do your career than the way I did it. In all fairness. I'm like anybody else. I look back and see things that I would have done differently. That would have been it. I'd have never been a coward. I'd never been one of these fake tough guys. But there was times where I could have been a hell of a lot more tactical. I mean, I'll go get a grappling match on the weekend against Andre Galvo just because it's somebody to compete with. And I'm that's what you do on Saturdays if your last name's Sonnen. I had no choice. All the boys in my family went into combat, and we do it every Saturday. Regardless of the result, we're going to walk out there and compete. Now, that was different. 
right? I had that burning desire. I don't know that Masvidal has it. If he does, I stand corrected. If he wants to fight Leon just to fight Leon, I stand down. But if he's fighting Leon because he knows that Leon's a top contender and he makes believe in his own head, if I get the jump on Leon, I'm going back in with Usman for a third time, which simply is not going to happen. That is simply not going to happen. And if they fought three times or they fought 30 more times, the result of that match isn't going to change. And that has been made crystal clear to us on two different occasions. There's no disrespect in that. It's what the sport's about. You bring what you got against what they got, but you acknowledge the evening when it's done. We didn't acknowledge it the first time. We're not going to accept it the second time. And there is going to be no third time. What in the hell does beating up Leon do for anybody? That match was one-sided. That was going to help Leon. Leon is fantastic. I struggle to find the words to compliment Leon high enough. If Leon walked in the studio right now and slapped me in the face and walked out, I wouldn't be able to tell you who did it. So I don't know, man. He looked about 170 pounds. I think he was British, and he was pretty quick. I don't, I don't know what Lee. I don't know. Do you? And I'm not looking to be a dick. I could tell you all about the guy. I could tell you his record. I could tell you where he's from, who who he trains with, how old he is. I could tell you how many stones he is. I could tell you how many kilos he. I know all about him. I couldn't pick him out of a crowd, and neither could you. Now that's okay. The same was said about George Masvidal until he grew the hair, put on the robe, and became a main eventer at Madison Square Garden. He was just one of the guys. He was an interchangeable mediocrity within that weight class that had a tattoo on his neck. That's it. Leon's got that same problem, which is being recognizable, being identifiable, having people know what you are, right? And Leon was gone for a period of time. If anybody got a bad deal during COVID, it was Leon. Leon had a massive fight lined up with Shemaev that was supposed to draw him right into a world championship. In a normal scenario, we wouldn't be talking about Leon being a number one contender. We'd either be referring to Leon as the guy who lost for the belt or as the guy who has the belt. But he would have had that opportunity by now. So you bring him in there with a Nate Diaz. You make sure the world's watching. Boom, you sure help to solve that problem to some degree. Now you do it one more time. You bring him up with the sport's second biggest star. He's already fought number three. Now you put him with number two. All of a sudden, people do know what a Leon is. All of a sudden, he is more identifiable. All of a sudden, we do learn something more about him. Okay, great. I see what George was bringing to the table that Leon was looking to take. What is it that Leon had that George was going to take? Because don't forget, guys, you can be under the unified rules. You can be in the Queensberry rules. You can do whatever in the hell you want. You're still partners. Like it or not, no matter how much you detest this person and no matter what dark ideas you have about what you're going to do to him, you're still partners. He's got to bring something to the match. And all the chips go in. Whatever titles you have versus whatever I have, and it doesn't matter if you have more, I'm here to take them all. But the opponent has the same opportunity. So I understand I understand what Leon was reaching his hand in the pot for. I don't know what George was. And there is a part of me that thinks that George is confused with who and where he is. If George Masvidal does not know that he is the second biggest draw on earth right now, only to Conor McGregor, who in all fairness is the number one draw in the history of combat sports. George Masvidal is on an island of his own. If he wants to fight Colby and go with that story, that's going to be massive. But if he doesn't, for whatever reason, he doesn't know us a damn thing. 
He didn't get to that island. He didn't get to be the second biggest draw the easy way. He got there the hard way with no one helping him. Starting when he was 17 years old, lying about his age like Roberto Duran and going to the backyard with people after lunch at Burger King that he barely had money to buy him. And in all fairness, George got himself in this position by himself. What he does with it, totally up to George. I'm not convinced that he is aware of the spot that he's in. I don't know what the fight with Leon represented. There's not a part of me that's disappointed that fight's not going to happen. I was looking forward to it. Three-piece in a soda? we got to go answer for that. Get these guys in here. Don't main event them because we only want to see that for three rounds. We don't want to see 25 minutes of that. We want to see three rounds, hard, full pace. That's what we want to see. Everything's right. Set the world straight. Give Leon his shot. See what Masvidal can do. He got stuck in a little bit of crack because of this Usman business. See if he can spring back out of it. That's what a fighter is. See if he can push for it. Okay, I'm in for that. But when it got canceled, I'm fine with that too because I don't know what they were fighting for. Is it just redemption of three pieces in a soda? Is it just so people know what a Leon is when we throw him in there opposite an Usman? What was in it for Masvidal? And Masvidal's going to have to ask himself this same question when he comes back, which is going to be right into the headlights of Colby Covington. Colby's going to do nothing until Masvidal gets a contract. It's not that Colby's going to accept one. Colby will do nothing until Masvidal has one and he realizes he can't get it. It wouldn't be like Masvidal sidestep it, but let's say he does. He's earned the right. He's earned a very rare position. He's sitting on a very hot hand. And in many ways, it makes much more sense. Right? You like to use the word sense. This is, this is how wimps talk. But to throw out that wimpy term makes a hell of a lot more sense for George Masvidal to fight Diaz. Either one. Nick or Nate. If it's got to make dollars to make sense, that makes more of it than fighting Leon Edwards. So those are my thoughts on the evolving situation at the top of the welterweight division. And coming up next, I'm going to talk about a call out that Michael Chandler made. But first, I want to tell you about one of today's sponsors. Guys, have I ever told you about my love for coffee? I put it right up there with the love I have for my family. I thoroughly enjoy my morning cup of coffee before the sun comes up, and on most days, I'll even have an afternoon cup. I'm not one of those people that can't have coffee after a certain time. I can enjoy it all day. My wife and I have been experimenting with different beans, and we recently were introduced to Trade Coffee. It's like a matchmaking site, but for you and coffee. You take a quiz and get a curated match for your liking and coffee brewing mechanism and the coffee is delivered straight to your doorstep. You use a French press, automatic drip? Are you a cold brew person? No problem. Your answers will allow Trade to pair you with the perfect coffee to fit your taste. They will match you to coffees you'll love from over 400 craft coffees and will send you a freshly roasted bag as often as you'd like. Trade also guarantees you'll love your first match. And on the off chance you don't, they'll replace it with a different bag for free. If you're into supporting small American businesses like me, Trade partners with over 55 different small businesses across the United States. For our listeners right now, Trade is offering your first bag free and $5 off a bundle at checkout. To get yours, go to drinktrade.com slash Use the promo code CHAIL. 
Then take the quiz to start your journey to the perfect cup of coffee. That's drinktrade.com slash chale. Promo code chale for your first bag free and $5 off your bundle. Enjoy. Guys, I want to tell you about some new training gear I've been using by a company called 10,000. And as a lifelong athlete, I will say, if I would have found this workout gear years ago, just gave me a confidence. It feels better. And guys, I know you can relate to this. You get up, you put on a good shirt, one that you like, one that feels good. It makes you feel good. It motivates you for the workout. In all fairness, that's what I love most about 10,000. I first heard about this from Dominic Cruz. Dominic Cruz and one of the Gracies were asked, what do they need in training gear? Break this down in the world of MMA. Do you need it light? Do you need it breathable? Whatever questions they got asked, they did a great job. So when Dominic got this done, I bought some to support him more than anything else. And I must tell you, I've been running in their interval shorts and their versatile shirt. I love the waistband on these shorts and the shirt liners. I appreciate that it stretched a little bit, but it's breathable, high quality material. Look, I can tell you what a great job this is and how you make these things. Do you care? Do you feel good? Do you look good? Yes, you will. And here's a fun fact too. A team of over 200 athletes tested the gear, right, that Dominic helped to design. They loved it too. 10,000 guys has over 10,000 five-star reviews on their products and they're still offering free shipping all in time for any product to get to you for any holiday or birthdays you have coming up. If you don't like it, no problem. Return it. They'll give you your money back. They offer a lifetime guarantee that shows you how much they believe in their quality. I got a call to action. 10,000 is offering my listeners 15% off your purchase. All you got to do is go to 10,000.cc and enter the code CHAIL. You will receive 15% off your purchase. That is 10,000.cc and enter the code CHAIL for a 15% savings. Chandler had an interesting call out. Chandler, do you guys know Hans? Hans runs the MMA division of Monster Energy. And I'm on the team. And when I was working for ESPN, I'm predicting the fights. I picked against all of the Monster guys that are on the same team that I'm on. So Hans was joking, but he sent me a text message and says, all of our guys won, comma, all guys you picked against, period. I'm going, wasn't Chandler on the team? And I even said that to him. I go, isn't Chandler on the team? I met Hans through Chandler. So I thought maybe Chandler got dropped and Hans goes, Chandler did not lose. Chandler won over the hearts and minds of men. It's like, oh, okay, well, I didn't know we were playing that game, Hans. Okay, fine. Okay, fine. Chandler didn't lose. But I only bring that to you because another guy within the, the Monster family is Connor McGregor. Chandler called out Connor. Love the call out. Not very many people have called out Connor for various reasons, but number one, he's broken. So right now, wherever you stand, if you're a sportsman, it's get well, Connor. Two, you don't know if he's coming back, right? I mean, in all fairness, even if he does, when? So you're calling for something that's hard enough to get as it is. But now you're calling against a guy who's on the injury list, and we don't know when he's going to be back. So most guys haven't called him out, and that's only came to my attention once Chandler did. Because Connor responded and accepted. What a great time to call him out. 
Of course you call him out when nobody else is calling him out. Of course you call him out when he doesn't have a contract or a date. Of course you do. Well, it made all the sense in the world after Chandler did it. But it does make me have to ask the next question, a very tough one, which is, is this what Michael Chandler does now? Big fights, interesting fights, fun fights, not contendership championship fights. I don't know that just because he called out Conor McGregor, we have enough information to get to any kind of conclusion there. And the mere fact that Michael Chandler, who I believe has a broken hand, hasn't said it yet, is calling somebody else out and even looking for something to do and getting a response from the sport's biggest star. All good stuff for Chandler. His own sponsor says he didn't lose the fight. I got to remind myself that he did. I mean, I kind of see it Hans's way, even if I'm teasing Hans right now. I forget that he lost too, and it was three days. I forget. He did win over the hearts and minds. A lot of truth to that. But I'm asking a harder question. Is this what Chandler does now? That's okay. Only a few guys can get that deal. There's a very few, and I mean, you could count them on one hand, of athletes within the Ultimate Fighting Championship, specifically, that are no longer contenders or possible future champions. That is what the UFC does. As soon as you prove that you're not one of those, there's no room left for you here. Okay. There is some exceptions, though. And I got to tie that in with something very tough I heard said about Frankie Edgar. They were asking... Where will Frankie go from here? And he got the answer that you've heard on many other guys, but this is the first step in the wrong direction, which is we're going to have to wait and see. Now, the reason that was so tough is because Frankie won every bit of that fight. Frankie won every exchange, every round, and every minute of that fight. He lost one second of it. One second, boom, kicked in the mouth, falls down, fight gets stuck. That's a hard way to go out. Frankie definitely proved to us he can still do this. He definitely proved to us he still trains. He still takes this hard. He's still in great shape. He's got the speed. He's got the power. He's got the range. His boxing was on point, digging to the body. Frankie looked great. He lost one second. We don't know if we're going to see a future Hall of Famer, former champion of the world. We don't know if we're going to see him again because he lost one second of a 13 and a half minute fight. Man, that's tough. That is tough right there. But it falls in line what we just discussed, which is, if you are not a contender continuing to show that you are gaining ground on the goal of one day being a champion, what do you do here? What do you do? Frankie Edgar is my favorite fighter. I've disclosed that to you guys many times on previous shows. I've gone into depth as to why. Did something very special for me. It was on a personal note. Frankie Edgar has enough achievements. He will be in the Hall of Fame. He is a former world champion. Frankie Edgar has made enough money. He doesn't have hat, but he's not a side gambler or got some drug problem. He's a good guy. He just loves the sport, and he doesn't know anything else. He's been competing his whole life. He's been getting up Monday through Friday, doing two to three workouts a day, coming home absolutely exhausted when he puts his head down. This is just the life that he knows. So getting out of that would be very hard. Now, everybody's going to have to deal with that at some point is Frankie's point now, and if it's not, because of course we want it to be no. No, 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 there's plenty left for Frankie. I'm searching for that too. I want that to be the answer in the message, but is it, guys? Because if it's not, you must then be able to say, what's next for Frankie? Is it the undercard? Frankie Edgar, a Hall of Fame candidate? It's going to go to the undercard? Is that what Frankie wants to do? Maybe. It would keep him in the life. It would keep him in the lifestyle. It would keep him driven. 
It would keep him goal-oriented. It would keep him working hard and responsible and disciplined. It's, it's what he does. It's what he knows. But someday, right, you'll never be done with the business. One day you will wake up and the business is done with you. Very tough conversation, are we there with Frankie? I hope not. I do have a hard time answering the second part of the question then. If this isn't it, if this isn't it for Frankie, I must also be able to submit for you then what is next? I've never felt that Frankie, my favorite fighter, has done a very good job of steering his career. He does not get the game. He does not play the media. He is a blue-collar, straight-up competitor. Shake hands before, shake hands after, walk away and live with the result. That's the wrestler in him. I hope that he breaks from that ideology. Because nobody can answer the question of what is next for Frankie, what should be next for Frankie, what makes sense to keep Frankie around and have him go out and try one more time better than Frankie. Frankie's got a whole army out there. I'm on that army. I will help that message. I will build that narrative. I will sell that story. I need Frankie to first tell us what is that story. So I know Max Holloway is the main event tomorrow night, and I'll get to that in a minute. But if you remember from the podcast a few weeks ago, I told you about a Jackson Wink decision to part ways with John Jones. If you'll indulge me, I'd love to dig back into that again. Okay, so it breaks on the internet that John has found a home. And uh, to pay that story off, I guess we got to back up first. Are you guys aware Winkle John kicked John out of the gym? And you could see the pressure mounting. I've grown up in MMA gyms, and if you're there, the fighters aren't going to make you money. You do it because you have a passion and you love it and you want to be involved and you want to be a corner man and travel and do all these other things, but you have to have a real gym in place to keep the doors open so those 7, 12, 15 fighters who are complete deadbeats and are never going to pay you anyway, they're going to come in with an attitude that you're should be grateful that I'm here. You just can't run a business. So I don't know Jackson Wink's gym, but I know it's a big, beautiful footprint. I've seen the insides of it. With It's a beautiful gym. To have a gym like that, they've got to be making money on kids' classes. They just have to. That's where the money's coming to gym. Now, I'm spilling that over to them without actually knowing their business model, but I'm sure that I'm right, and we could all sense that there was some kind of tension mounting. Malky parts ways with John and does it very publicly. That could have been a private conversation. People leave their managers all the time and vice versa. Malky needed the world to know. And then Winkle John did the same thing. When he parted with John, Winkle John, who doesn't do a whole lot of interviews, went out on a media tour to let the world know John's not here anymore. So, okay, there was business pressures. We get it. All that I'm recovering for you, where's John going to go? Now, I would have thought that any gym, I don't know if anyone's going to tell John Jones no. To bring a guy like that into your gym, you're not going to have bad PR for it because you're going to say, hey, we're here to help him. We're opening our doors to a guy who's who's currently homeless. No, nothing bad's going to come. And if you could get John to write the check that traditionally comes with the sport, it's going to make a lot of sense to do business-wise. Okay. John put out a tweet over the weekend. And see, here's where you guys got to see where I'm torn. 
as as a very open and advocate, you probably see John Jones in my title and think Chael's going to come and roast John Jones. Well, that's normally how I would go about it. But if John Jones is fried eggs, right? If he, if his if he scrambled upstairs, that puts me in an interesting position where I don't I don't want to pick on the guy, and I won't. Got to be a level playing field. He's either got to be above me or it's got to be a level playing field. I can't have any fun. I'm not looking to bully and go jerk on a guy. But I say something about John, and then he tweets something back at me, and that means the door's still open, and I punch back, and he comes back and forth, and uh, okay, there you go. But if he, in fact, is fried eggs, as he is telling people, I don't want to do it anymore. I just don't. I'll come and tell you what happened. I'll read the article, and we'll fade to black and roll the credits. There's a few things that will age you extremely quickly. You guys remember when Conor McGregor got old overnight. Conor McGregor is the two-division champion in the two toughest divisions that the sport has. And all of a sudden, a guy that he cleaned up on the way to those titles is putting him out of there in less than five minutes. He got old overnight, but you remember when that happened. And there was a number of things that you could point to. Number one is inactivity. But in all fairness, an athlete, he can, go, he can get 10 years older in two, 24 months. No problem. In Conor McGregor's case, booze, cocaine, and lawsuits will age you extremely quickly. And in a two-year period between the coke and the booze and the lawsuits, he got old. You'll see these things with presidents. They'll always do this. The news will always do. The day the, the, the president was sworn into office. And then a side-by-side -side with what he looked like one term later, right? And it's almost unrecognizable. Wrinkles all over that he didn't have. Hair is either gone or the hair is now gray. It's always this thing. And it just has to do with the stress. I only bring that example because I know those go around the news and you've seen them, but it's very real. That president in four years got a hell of a lot older than we, the voter, got in those same four years. So if you're dealing with John Jones and you got drug abuse, you got alcoholism, and you got getting punched in the head, I think we can agree those things aren't good. And if he is, in fact, scrambled eggs, I'm not going to be part of giving him a hard time, just not. Go find somebody else to have some fun with. So I have to keep that in my mind, and even though I believe that that is nothing more than a defense, and that was a PR mechanism, and John loves to be the victim, like he, he has seen with his PR team that there is a major opportunity, particularly in America, for the victim, and he will attempt to, to so I, I don't know if that's what it was. I don't have enough evidence yet. But we do know that John needed a new gym, and one thing that has always surprised me about John is Albuquerque. If you've ever been to Albuquerque, I will promise you now, you sent nobody a postcard, you weren't there by choice, and your favorite thing about Albuquerque was leaving Albuquerque. And John stays there. And that's always surprised me. As a guy who came from Albany, a guy that came through New York, who isn't afraid to move around, that he really put his roots down there in Albuquerque. And I think I mean that as a compliment. I think if John was somewhat Las Vegas or New York or Los Angeles, something like this that was an even bigger metropolitan, that even more problems would come. And possibly John knows that about himself. And possibly the most disciplined thing he does in his own life is stay in Albuquerque. Possibly. But when this door opened, or in this case with Jackson Wink closed, it seemed as though, okay, John's going to go spread his wings a little bit. And he didn't. He bought himself some time, did a little training in his garage, according to him, and he found another gym where he can live at home, same house, so somewhere in Albuquerque. But it's also a Greg Jackson gym. To my understanding of the article, it's the original Jackson gym. Remember that original gym where George St. Pierre and Rashad and John Jones were all training out of? It used to be in all the countdown videos. Apparently, Jackson still owns that. 
affiliate, something along these lines, and Jackson is now allowing John in there. And I'm just wondering, do we got drama? Do we have a drama standpoint where John Jones just drew a wedge between Jackson Wink? Wink says you can't be here. Jackson owns a gym that Wink is no part of, and all of a sudden John's over. Do we have drama? I don't know. I will look forward to it if we do. That could get very juicy. That could be a very interesting play by John Jones. And if there is, in fact, a financial element to it, I've been told by John's team, John doesn't honor the code of MMA, which is 10% to your manager, 10% to your trainers. You got one trainer, you got three, you got five. However you cut it up, but 10% is going to those guys. And I hear that John doesn't write those checks, but he still writes a check. And he still writes a pretty beautiful check, right? I mean, 10% of John's money is vastly different than 10% of another fighter's money. So that's okay. If everybody's agreed to it, I'm just sharing. If that, in fact, is happening, and now that's only going to Jackson, and Wink has been cut out, I don't know how, I don't know how crazy Wink's going to be about that. On the other side of the coin, if you're Jackson, you go, Coach, you didn't want him in your gym. He's not in your gym. I did exactly what you wanted, was to keep him out of this gym. Just because I have another one across town and I got a relationship with him. I mean, they can both have their back and forth, and I could be completely wrong. Winks in on the whole thing. Keep him out of this facility. Go get him over here. We'll find a way to get everybody back together, including myself, train him. Wink never shut the door on that. I mean, in all fairness, when Wink went around and said, look, for now, he said those words. So this guy's like a brother to me. For now. He, for now. He's got to go somewhere else. He's, he's got to pay a penance. He's going to have to pay some dues. Okay. It's between them. I'm asking the question, are we going to see? Are we going to see some drama between them? Not answering because I don't have the answer yet. Other side to this. John is one of the very few fighters who could have been done by now. He is at that age where it's a little weird that you're still fighting. You're not setting records. You're not Randy Couture territory, which is really cool. You're not Dan Henderson territory, which was really cool. You're in that weird age. Why are you still here? This is the age, particularly as young as John started, he should be done. But he did so many things in his career wrong. So incredibly different things. I did the ultimate fighter with him and had a face-to-face on specifically what John's participation was. I said absolutely nothing. I did not form a word because I stood there and heard what John's was and realized he doesn't know which way is up. And I just stood there quietly. So I only share with you, he should be long done and gone if he wants to be, right? If it's a choice and you choose to do it, very different. It's not a choice for John yet. He's left so much on the table and he's had so many suspensions and so much time away from the sport. Even this purgatory that he's in by choice right now, walking away from a world title that came with pay-per-view points, walking away for it to do nothing other than to be unemployed. I mean, right at first he was going to come in at principal and he was going to change the entire sport. None of those things happened, but he's coming back. He didn't get anything that he said he was going to do. The the sport is not better off. Whatever ideology he thought he was going to invoke and preach did not happen, but he's coming back. It's not a choice. And that's one of those things where you sit back, if you're in my position, which is a very envious one of John. Look at John and go, man, you got everything going for you. Good looking guy and people like him and cloaked in success. It's one of these things that there was so much mismanagement, so many bad decisions made, he's got to come back. All right, so where we actually see him in the gym, he looked great. John Jones looked great. It would be disingenuous for me to say anything else. First off, the experiment of John Jones changing his physiology is one that I'm personally interested in. 
You've had a number of people, Derek, more dates, more plates, it comes to mind as a John Jones defender. And I've told Derek and the rest of the world, no athlete that is through puberty and is a grown man, anybody over 25 years old, cannot put on 25 pounds of muscle in six months. Derek wanted to come out and tell me they could have it. And then I challenged Derek and I said, then you tell me one person who did. You live in this, give me his name. Was it your cousin? Is it your brother? Is it your neighbor's friend's bus driver? Let's get him right now. And he can tell us the story because it didn't happen. Because an adult can't do it. Not in six months. Not 25 and not of muscle without anabolic steroids. Of which John has a history with. But I will tell you, you could do an Asada test or you could do a Chael Sonnen eye test. I will be ever bit as accurate as that chemical test. I put an eye test on John Jones. He's clean. And John Jones, of anybody, I mean, in all fairness, guys, we want to be real fair to John. John has achieved physically things that no other guy could do. There's plenty of things that John has done. Well, I'll go, well, you show me one other person that did it, or I'm not going to believe it. I could show you five or six that he's done, including become the champion of the world at 21. I mean, in all fairness, John Jones does physical things that nobody else can do. And I was very in for the physiological experiment. He was dead set on the idea that he must weigh 240 pounds and it must be the right way or he's not going to compete in the heavyweight class. He now claims he weighs 242 pounds according to Instagram and I saw him and he looked good. He looked good. So then he moves around in the gym. And the footage that I've seen, it's, it, it, the way the video's cut is to try to explain the story to the audience that this is John's first day there. So I'm going to accept the video for what it was, John's first day. So he doesn't work very hard. He runs in some circles. He jumps, jumps around a little, what do you, skipping. And then he hits some mitts, his favorite workout. Hits some mitts, right? Easy. You're going to look cool. You're going to feel like a fighter. And you don't have the conflict of a person in front of you who's likely in better shape because they haven't been boozing and sitting on the couch and doing all the things that he did. He looked good. John Jones's body moves in a fascinating way for me. I had a college professor who told our class, and I was a college athlete, and other teammates of mine and other athletes from other sports in the class, we all resisted this. And the professor maintained that people do not watch sport for the competition or for the final result of the score. They watch it for the movement of the human body. I have any idea what he was talking about. I had no idea what, I was 20 years old, I had no idea what he was talking about, but neither did any other athlete in there. I'm now 40 years old and I get it. I do get it. John Jones has one of those bodies. It is a thing of beauty to watch the way he moves, to watch the way he switches stance while throwing a rhythm at his opponent. Right When you're switching stance, guys just punch you right in the mouth. They don't ever punch John. Why? Because he has a rhythm. He's offering them a distraction. He can put his big, long arm out using his attributes. You know, everybody's got a reach advantage. Who in the hell knows how to use it? Well, I'll give you one guy, John Jones. He'll put his hand out, just put his palm. Right? Remember those old cartoons? Guy would put his hand out on, on someone's forehead and that guy would throw 20 punches and never touch him because he was held so far out. John Jones will do that to people in live competition on pay-per-view. It's an amazing thing the way he moves. And then his kicks, I prefer more than his punches. He turn his body sideways like he's doing Taekwondo. He's got these oblique kicks. He'll bring it up to your chest. He'll surprise you with a rear kick. Just moves really well. But these are all things that you lose over time, particularly if you're getting older. And getting older... I'm getting punched in the head, doing cocaine, and drinking booze can happen a lot faster than it does to other people. I don't think it's happened to him yet. I don't. I will tell you as a guy who constantly cheers against John for no other reason than to be a dick. I'm not confident he's not getting the belt back, guys. 
Are you? Are any of you confident he's not going to grab that strap? And it's a very wildly different match. We don't know if he's going to face Gone. We don't know if he's going to face Angano. We just know it's one of the two. That is a wildly different match. John's biggest reservation was size. It's still his biggest psychological reservation. He said as early as today, I'm not ready yet, but I will be in a few months. He's talking about the size. He's talking about, am I big enough to where I feel like I can go out there? Well, that's a totally different challenge if you're taking on Engano, who's the biggest guy in the weight, versus you're taking on Gon, who's going to weigh in identical to John. All of a sudden, John's not in a different weight. He's at the same weight, same weight that he weighs. Gon's in the 240s. John says he's going to be in the 240s. Same thing. Very different. Not to mention, you got the hero waiting for whoever comes out of that in Stipe which is a completely different skill set than Gon or Francis. So John's got some major opportunities in front of him. He's got some heavy lifting to do. He needs to get busy, buckle down, get to work. He needs to remember this is a job, and the quicker I get my work done, the quicker I can be done. I'm not sure he's not going to be the champion again. I'm not. It's a very, very different match. And don't forget, John can go on the feet with the best in the world. I don't know if there's a sporting event I'd pick against John in. Truly. You have all these fighters and they're going to go over and box. Well, of course the MMA guy is going to lose to the boxer. Well, you know, I'd pick John. If it was John, I'd pick John. He's going to go to K1. He's going to go to Glory. He's going to go to Bellator Kickboxing. I'll take John. John's going to enter Abu Dhabi tomorrow and Gordon Ryan is in the weight class. I'm picking John. Are you? It's one of these things. It, it, he's so good. I have had conversations, guys, and had to catch myself and stop. Where my explanation as to how John does what he does is that he's chosen by God. That he's had this magic wand waved over his life. And I have to catch my... No, that's not it. But I literally will start going down that path because there's no other explanation. All these guys get old. It happened to Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor's ever been as good of an athlete as John Jones. For sure, just athleticism, just what he was born with, his DNA, the way that he moves, ever been as good. He got old overnight. He got old due to drugs, due to booze, and due to lawsuits. John Jones getting punched in the head. He's got the drugs. He's got the booze. I don't really know about the lawsuits. Maybe he had some of those. And then he got kids all over the world. That's going to bring all sorts of stress to you. You get kids he, uh, told he's never even met. That's going to age you. That comes with a check. That comes with you've got to get back to work, which comes back to my point that it's not a choice. Of course he's coming back. He was always going to come back. It was a game of who can wait the longest. And the obvious answer to that is the organization, not the athlete. Obvious answer. But every few years, some prick will come along and think that he's the one exception and try to test the waters. And he's going to end up standing in the corner wearing a dunce hat just like John. But John with his new gym, with coaches that I don't know, with training partners who I don't know. I don't know who's at that gym. But how badly do you need them? There has always been a misconception. I will see it in the professional sports. I will see it in the NCAA ranks. There's a misconception from the beginning of time that programs make athletes. But the truth is, athletes make programs, period. John Jones was a champion in high school. He was a champion in college. He's a champion in the pros. John Jones could have gone to any high school, he would have been the champion. He could have gone to any college, he was going to win that thing. He could have gone into the pros, into any weight class, he was going to find the belt. 
Athletes make programs. Programs don't make athletes. So I don't know how much it matters who's there coaching. I don't know how much it matters what the structure is. I don't know that it matters who the training partners are. They just got handed right through their front door the greatest athlete that combat has seen. Pains me. It pains me to have to say it. But I try to level with you guys, right? I try to say what I see. I don't like the son of a bitch. If he's fried eggs, I'm going to leave him alone. I don't know that I'm convinced of that yet. I like the experiment with the body, and he did it clean. He did it very clean. Now Derek finally can have an answer because he didn't have one when I asked him. Now, now he has an answer. He can say John. And I'm not sure he's not going to win that belt back, guys. So I was over at something the kids call MMA Weekly. It's a website, right? And so I'm on the interwebs and I'm surfing and I get clickbaited into a headline that says Max Holloway with a win over Yari Rodriguez has many wonderful options. Now, the first thing I do is I want to see what those options are because I don't believe that they exist. I thought it was a hell of a weird claim to make. The author listed nothing. He did not list one single thing. Like, he didn't say, well, a rematch with Conor McGregor, of which is not on the table, but he, he didn't make the stupid move of saying that. Are you guys aware that Max has a win, a TKO win, over Charles Oliveira, who's now the sitting champion of the world up a weight class? I mean, it all fairs. No, that's not on the table. That's a level of ridiculousness. Max is not going back to 55. He went there one time. He lost to Poirier. Now, the author didn't list what a single one of these options for Max was. So I then I'm going to go see who the author is so I can give him a bump. He doesn't put his own name on it. He put MMA staff. Okay, so is this something they do at MMA Weekly that I didn't know about? They go make things up and then they do it under a ghostwriter so nobody has to take it on the chin? The click that actually got me, I'm going to repeat it for you, is that Max with a win over Rodriguez has many wonderful options. Now, any reasonable person would instantly state what those options are. And he doesn't have many wonderful options at all. There is one thing for Max with a win, you dumb son of a bitch. And something tells me that MMA staff somewhere in his blood chain got some sand hanging in him. Because you would never say such a stupid thing if you couldn't lay it out. If Max beats Rodriguez, he's fighting Volkanovski, dummy. And the reason I know that is because Dana said it, dummy. And the reason I know that Dana knows that it's going to happen is because Volkanovski said it, dummy. And the reason we know that Volkanovski is not going to be able to get out of it after Dana said it's going to happen is because Max said it, you dummy. You MMA staff writing prick who doesn't even exist. Hire some writers over there. In all fairness, hire some writers. They're dirt cheap. Don't just go make things up and then put a fake name on it. Don't say that a guy has options and then list none of them. And by the way, don't mislead the viewer. You're misleading the audience. We have a story to tell. That's what we do. We tell stories. I do it with my name and my face, but it's because I'm not lying, MMA staff. MMA staff, what a dork. You're a dork for calling yourself MMA. You went and wrote an article that I doubt you got paid for, and then you didn't even get credit for it? You didn't even get, you didn't want credit? Nobody writes anything. Nobody does anything with art. Nobody makes any film or video, written content, without being recognized. MMA staff? He has a lot of wonderful options. You didn't think to name what a single one of them was. You didn't think to name what a single one of them was because they don't exist. 
If Max Holloway beats Rodriguez, he becomes the number one contender. I believe the same is said for Rodriguez. I haven't officially heard that said. Now, I suppose I could have just put this on the internet and said that it's a number one contenders match, which means Rodriguez gets it, and then put MMA staff on it so nobody knows it was my dumb idea. I do think that that's right, though. That would make a lot of sense. Volkanovski would love that. Volkanovski, who's been a straight-up gangster team player here and not complaining, is about to fight the one guy that he doesn't want to fight. I can just tell you that as an athlete. I never asked Volkanovski about this. I'm telling you as an athlete, you don't want to do the same thing over and over again unless you lost. Then maybe you'd like to correct it. You don't have to fight again the uh, guy that you already beat. And this has never happened historically in sport. That's not... Don't think you need to bring up Pacquiao and Marquez. I know that there's examples. Broad stroke this that doesn't happen in sport. You don't go to a trilogy fight when the first two were the same thing. Exact same thing. Decisions by judges. Six different judges. Ten total rounds. Two same opponents. Exact result. And now poor Volkanovski has to go and do it again. But that's also what Max is getting ready to do. Alex believes that Max is going to win. Volkanovski even laid out that and just said it's going to be a pressure issue. He talked about Rodriguez. He said Rodriguez does great. He does it from the outside. Max is going to get inside. It makes Rodriguez very tough. Rodriguez can't breathe deep. Max can. Max will probably put him away late fourth or fifth round. I don't know what's going to happen. That's between those boys. But Volkanovski certainly has an opinion in it. He's weighed his opinion and said, I'll be there to fight the winner. So there's no scenario where Volkanovski isn't just chopping at the bit should that be Rodriguez. He's going to wipe his brow, go, thank goodness, I got something new to do. I got a new guy to study. I got new partners to prepare for. I got new skills that I can work and evolve. I don't have to fight the same guy for another five rounds that I already fought for ten. MMA staff. What? I First off, I can't let that go. Secondly, the clickbait. Right? You could have just stated this article. You could have pointed out in the article. You could have made a whole case how it could be Conor McGregor, because many other dumb people are bringing that up, right? right? Like, you wouldn't be on your own. That is a thing that's being said. Max and Conor will never see each other again, but you could make the case if you need clicks that bad. You didn't have to lie. You could have brought up Oliveira. What fight that most people don't know did happen. Oliveira used to be a 45-pounder. Many people don't know that either. You could have told an entire story there, and then you could have put your name on it. You could have been proud. You could have forwarded that to your mother. You weren't paid for the piece. It wasn't a real piece. You didn't use your name. MMA staff, you suck. All right, guys, that's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. I also want to give a big shout out to all of you who follow me on YouTube. My channel just hit 900,000 subscribers, and I'm very excited about it. Enjoy the fights this weekend. I will be back here next Wednesday to talk about it all. Until then, I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.